Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. It's not over until it's over, everyone. What a weekend of football it was. The Cobblers fought back from two goals down. Both Wigan and Wimbledon drew. And Kelvin Thomas said the diggers could be on site by Christmas. I'm Charles. Neil and Jeffy are with me. This is It's All Cobblers to Me. Brain again. And he's got it. Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three! Yes, hello Cobblers fans. Welcome back to another hour of complete Cobblers. There are just two games left to go of the season and Town are still fighting to keep their dreams of another season in League One alive. But what Giles from our Patreon Slack wants to know... Is why do we only suddenly wake up on 80 minutes, Neil? I don't know, Giles. I'm not in charge. <laughs> well, sort it out. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of the most frustrating things, isn't it? That that last sort of 15 minutes or so against Gillingham. Why haven't we done that more often? I think it's annoying, really, isn't it? About as annoying as that seagull. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> seagull, by the way. That's going to go on for hours as well because it's this time of it's this time of year, isn't it? Because the older sun's not gone down yet, so the seagulls are having a right good time on my roof. <laughs> Watch it update, everybody. There we go again. Oh dear. I mean, what did you make of it, Jeffy? Is it? I mean, 
the first 20 minutes were abject misery. But then the last 20 minutes were like, oh my God, we're actually well on top. This is brilliant. It, it was brilliant for the last, well, I'd, I'd say maybe eight minutes. Um, it It's so, so maddening and frustrating. But at that very moment, in that eight minutes, suddenly it all feels so possible, doesn't it? And I think that's a, the wonderful thing about being a football fan and actually being a Cobblers fan is that not very often do good things come along. So when you get that little glimmer of hope, it feels so much better, doesn't it? And yes, we can sit here and whinge about how frustrating arguably 83 minutes of that match were, but you kind of live for those moments, those those few moments that often do define things. Now, you know, arguably we're done and dusted and there's probably no way back. And to all intents and purposes, we should have been relegated on Saturday. But it's that little glimmer that just keeps you going. And it just, it's just, it's a brilliant but awful feeling, if that makes sense. So now I feel sick with anxiety as the prospect as of us staying up, more so than I am about the fact that we could have been relegated on Saturday. I'm now, it's constantly in my head and it has been, for the last, you know, 72 hours or so. And it's just going to be continuously there until we either decide our fate for ourselves or somebody else does on Saturday, or we win, which then in turn makes it even worse because then you prolong it for another week. And it's like, we all know what's coming because we've been here so many times. But it's a bit like that day, that wonderful day against Oxford when an hour into the game, we were absolutely dead and buried of going out of the league. And somehow when 90 minutes struck, we managed to rescue ourselves. And it's like the most unlikely of things. Like if we were to manage to survive this, one, it's ridiculous. And two, it's all virtually impossible looking at the mathematics of it. Um, but it's that little bit of hope that you just hold on to and you don't ever want to let go of it. And it, and to be honest, I couldn't care less about what happened in the match. I don't really know. It's a blur. But though that last bit, was it's so exciting it's absolutely gripping you find yourself staring at the eye follow screen and not moving from it because for fear of what might happen and I think we all talked about it didn't we in the group chat we'd all mentally switched off we were all absolutely fuming on Saturday mm-hmm. until that moment when we got one goal and all of a sudden things change and it's a bit like well hang on a minute what's happening here and why on earth have you not done that all game but you don't think about that and that really hasn't entered my head. All that's entered my head is, oh my God, what if we get out of this? We're not going to, but what if we were going, what if we did? What if Wigan fell apart suddenly? It's, it's I mean, it's 90% sure that we're going down, but that 10% is just glorious. I love the fact that it's 10%. Still. Oh, I, well, no. You know, that's still quite what have you been drinking, Jeffy? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, uh, when the first goal, our first goal went in, I kind of gave it that an almost arbitrary, meh, okay, we've lost 2-1 instead of 2-0. You know, to me, I was still looking at it and I was still fuming from the fact that, that we'd just been so bad for the first 20 minutes and had had basically lost the game there and then um, at the very opening. When the second goal went in, I was a little bit more like, 
again, I actually kind of went, oh, we've scored. You know, it was a surprise thing. It didn't really register that it was two all and that there was still like plenty of minutes left on the clock for us to go on and win it. I, I just kind of was like, this is weird. This doesn't happen. And it's it's that whole thing, isn't it? Two nil, Neil, is a is a horrible score line to defend, it seems. Keith said it. Keith said it all along. Keith was right. Um I think you're both getting too carried away. <laughs> Allow uh, us to get carried away, Neil. We won't no. have this for very long. This time next no. week we're wallowing in self pity. No, come and wallow with me now. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I think look, you know, we it was a great fight back. You can't argue that. And you can't argue that they gave it their all for probably the whole game, but certainly the last fifteen minutes they weren't went hell for leather. Um but and it is a but it's too little too late, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's nice to see, don't get me wrong, and we shouldn't take away anything from that. It is too little too late. And it's very easy to go hell for leather and play like that when you're two nil down staring down the barrel of relegation and you're forced into a corner almost to to sort of release the hounds if you will um how many metaphors can i use by the way and they're all rubbish aren't they they're all terrible sorry um i just think yeah i'm not getting carried away with it i enjoyed the last 15 minutes it was nice to see it was nice to see a bit of fight thought we probably could have nicked it at the end i thought rose's effort was going in um equally they missed a few chances as well didn't they, they hit the bar and hit the post and stuff um i just think it's not worth getting carried away guys come on look you, you, we've been here every year every every year every season every game you surely know by now not to get carried away and your 10 percent, jeffy are oh, where you've got that from mate i don't know i'll give it 0.1 percent chance <laughs> um but on the basis that, that, that look that's not to say a uh, problem we've got is it's out of our control uh twice basically isn't it um so yeah there's no there's no chance but it was nice to see a little bit of fight finally and i know that's something i've leveled at them a few times isn't it hmm. um so it's nice to see that um but yeah for me not getting carried away and very easy in that situation, I think, just to throw, you know, the attackers on and say, let's just go for it, guys. You know, no game plan as such, just go. One thing I would say is I don't know why Chuck hasn't had more game time. There must be something going on there because every every time he's played, and I know you're not, is it you that's not his biggest fan, Charles, or is it Danny? I can't remember which Charles. one. Is it, is it Charles? Yeah. <laughs> You you can speak for me. I, I agree <laughs> with what um, <laughs> I, I I agree with what John Brady has said, which is that I don't think that I think Danny also does agree with this. In fairness, I think he put that on the the Slack, the Patreon Slack group at some point over the weekend, where he I, he doesn't quite see where the hype is. However, the thing that I oh, would John say Brady that said the last that. no Danny said that oh. he doesn't see what the where the hype is. Um, well, Danny's I, hype's all about Sam Hoskins, so excuse me for yeah, taking exactly. Danny's that's, opinion with a pinch of salt. That's it. But with with me, um, I see what John Brady said. I think this was um, after the the Ipswich game where he's did, did he say, was it the Ipswich game he started on Tuesday last week? Um, when he started with Alex, Alex Jones, Jones. yeah. yeah. Um, and the one thing that you could see happening was that. 
he doesn't have an off the ball game. Like off the ball, Chotomaker is very I won't say lazy, but when you compare him and what he does off the ball to what Danny Rose does, where he constantly chases lost balls and he constantly harasses defenders, you don't really get that with Chotomaker. Now, I'm not saying that that that's a negative towards him as a player. I think in our team it doesn't work because of the way that we have to have that happening from every single player through the whole 90 minutes. So therefore, if he's not pulling his weight that way, then I can see why there's an issue. However, on the flip side of it, he does cause defences problems. And I agree with you, Neil. Like, actually, would you take him either scoring or at least having a hand in, in say, 10, 12 goals in a season, but concede maybe five because of the fact that he didn't track back when he lost the ball or something like that. Yep. Like, I would as yeah. well. I, this, this whole thing, and this is one of the things which frustrates me sometimes about football, is is that talent, and look, I'm by no means sitting here saying Chuck Romika's, you know, the next, he's going to play in the Premier League or anything like that. Um, but he's obviously a, a creative type player, right? And he's obviously, he's relatively languid in his style. And his game, his style is clearly not a you know a Scott McLeish type or Sam Hoskins type in terms of running around everywhere and doing everything he possibly can do and stuff. But he gets away with it for me because he he makes things happen. If he wasn't making things happen as well, then that'd be another question, right? But he makes yeah. he makes things happen, and and you, you know look look at the problem we've had all season in terms of creating stuff, scoring goals, creating chances. There's been numerous. I think we went for about a four-game spell where we only had one shot in target between all four games, didn't we? Um, I just think it's one of those frustrating things in football where sometimes you've got to get the balance right. It's all very well having a load of triers, but if you've got a load of triers, but no one with any real talent, then you're screwed, isn't you? So I I would, for me, and you know, it's probably why I'm not a football manager, but for me, what I've seen of when he's played, he makes stuff happen. He frightens defenders a little bit. He gives them something to think about. And I'd be having him in the team, regardless. Yeah, me too. Um, just uh, on his partner in crime up front, as it was on Tuesday against Ipswich, but on Saturday, we've had a question here from Dave Jackson who asks, if Sam Hoskins had missed the one-on-one that Alex Jones did, would he have been substituted at half-time? Uh, I, I don't know whether we should read into that so much because I think it was probably more a fitness thing. Yeah, I don't think... John Brady doesn't strike me as a sort of person to substitute someone just because they missed an easy chance. I mean, if, also, if, if he is that sort of person, that doesn't also strike me as particularly good man management. <laughs> um, so I, I would say, I mean... No, I'd assume it was injury-related or, or fitness-related, like Jeffy said. I don't think... There's nothing that points towards it, the fact that he, he got substituted because he missed that one-on-one, is there? I don't no, think no, so. No, not at yeah, all. I don't think so. I think it's more the case that the fact is is that hardly anything has been said about that miss. And yet, we all know what would have happened if it had been poor old Sam on the end of it and not Alex Jones. But you can kind of understand that, can't you? On the basis that... Alex Jones doesn't have much previous. <clears throat> yeah, Whereas there is Sam, that to it, yeah. Sam Hoskins does have quite a lot of previous in terms of, you know, poor end product and stuff. And I know he's had the odd 
the odd spurt where he has had end product. <laughs> but, Great word. Thank you. <laughs> Made myself chuckle with that. I'm such an adult. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like with it's like when we had that discussion about the managers when when I can't remember what the exact discussion was, but it was something along the line of if that had been I think you said it, Charles, if Keith Curl had been in charge for that game, hmm. he would have got hammered. Well, yeah, but he's got all the previous stuff that's gone before it. That's the reason why. Same as same as so if you take Sam Hoskins as a footballer and it, it signed on loan for us and that was his second game and he missed that chance, yeah, there'd been a bit of laughter like there was on Twitter, but he wouldn't have got absolutely rinsed for it like Jones didn't, because you you you're still learning about them and you're still getting to understand them. I mean, if Jones did that every week, then he would get hammered. Also as well, I think that it's important to note that if we, if the roles were reversed and we'd taken a 2-0 lead against Gillingham and they'd pegged us back to 2-2, I honestly don't think Brady would have got as much grief as what Curl would have done because Curl, like like, um, Neil says, Curl had previous with just throwing away 2-0 leads. Well, I think that had we have gone 2-0 up and thrown it away, yes, it would have been really frustrating. But I do think that there would have been an element of just, we were just outclassed a little bit. How much do you think that Gillingham had the previous week thrown away a two-goal lead? I think it was Oxford that they ended up losing to. How much do you think that that actually was maybe a positive for us and our players, Neil? You know, if you know that... Uh, we said back in the early part of the season where we, we'd given up or last year where we'd given up lots of 2-0 leads. The opposition, or you, are thinking to yourself, oh, this is a dangerous scoreline for us. We've given away 2-0 before. How much of a benefit on the flip side to it is it for us at that point, being 2-0 down, where you know that the opposition that you're playing have thrown that scoreline away only seven days earlier? Must have been a bit of a boost and a, give a bit of a belief into the side. Are you saying that our comeback was the second best comeback, not the first best comeback? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm, what I mean is, is that the players have it in their heads that Gillingham have already thrown away a two nil lead the week before. So we, why can't they do it again? Basically, we could if we keep going, then then we could do what happened uh, for Oxford the week beforehand. And we could go out there. And it, it just injects that bit of belief, maybe. Yeah, I think it plays on footballers' minds, doesn't it? I think if you... Well, it did to us, right? I mean, how many times did we throw away a two-goal lead when Keith Curl was here? Numerous times. And it does get into that... Sorry. It does get into that point, doesn't it? Where it it's a mental thing. Football's a massively mental game as well, isn't it? It's a confidence game as well and stuff. And I think, yeah, I think it, it does play into it. So the... Other thing that was really nice, I thought, to see was that Ryan Edmondson scored a goal that he can definitely claim gets him off the mark, Jeffy. Nice little finish as well to make it 2-1. Yeah, he's a fairly hard worker, isn't he? I don't know whether um, his ability is quite there for League One level, um, if you're thinking going forward. But I think that he's very much deserving of the goal that he scored because he, he does work hard. Whether that's necessarily in the right team at the moment. I don't know, but I think he is a hard worker. He's, he's definitely got something. Um, he And I said this weeks ago and it hasn't quite manifested, but I do believe there's a kind of a gem in there in the way that, that Oliver was for us. And I actually think if he was in a stronger team, maybe in a, in a, in a top end league two team, he may well have, have really flourished. I think in this kind of team, it was probably difficult to do that. There's something there. There's, there's a player there and, 
is a real it's a real want to run and and like you said earlier Chuck's a different player to him but if you're running around and you want to win that ball eventually you you are going to get it in the back of the net every now and again and again like Neil said it is a very much a confidence game football and I there is something there with him um it's just such a shame actually that it perhaps was the right player at the wrong time for us maybe do you, do you agree with that Neil because a lot of cobblers fans have really slated Edmondson as being not good enough and not working hard enough up front. Um, you see that on social media after most games. Um, Do you agree with what Jeffy's saying there? Wrong uh, player, right or, or right player, wrong time? It's really hard to judge any of our strikers this season. And I would put strikers in inverted commas or whatever the, the term is. Um, yeah. He, I don't know. I mean, I, haven't thought he's up to much good, to be honest. Um, since he joined, I've not seen anything anything from him to suggest that there's a decent player in there. But I don't see him day in, day out in training. I don't see him, you know, he's at Leeds for a reason and, and stuff, I guess. And actually, I thought on Saturday, when he came on, he had one of his best games for us, which, I mean, he wasn't on for a huge amount of time, I know. But he scored, he had Edda saved. Uh, I thought he, he had a couple of chances coming his way and, you know, it made him look a little bit of a different player. So I think it's really, really hard to, to gauge it because the service that and the chances we've created over the last, you know, however many months has been almost zero, hasn't it, really? So it's, it's so hard to evaluate. I mean, I, I wouldn't keep him, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's not going to be successful somewhere else. Well, I, I think uh, history proves that he definitely will be successful <laughs> somewhere else considering he's been... Wait, wait until... Problems. Peterborough will sign him in the championship. Oh, don't in the championship don't. next year. Sell him on <laughs> twenty-five mil. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub One Hundred. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. So on Thursday last week, Cobblers chairman Kelvin Thomas appeared on the Cobblers show on Radio Northampton. The show started with an inevitable conversation about the failed Super League and how fan power brought it down. We will we will be talking about that a bit later on. But he also spoke about Project Big Picture too, saying, as I said at the time, 90% of Project Big Picture was very good for Northampton Town, but nobody in football could accept the other 10% and we wouldn't accept that. The money that was available was game-changing for the EFL clubs and it would have made uh, every club more sustainable. Now, obviously, Cameron Thomas has been criticised for his stance on Project Big Picture in the past, but what are your thoughts about it, Jeffrey? Do you think he's right to sort of look at it in the way that it would have been a real positive for the Cobblers? Uh, I think he's certainly entitled to. I mean, at the end of the day, he owns a football club, but I think it's very difficult for fans um, because fans generally want to turn up and watch their team play and ultimately watch their team win. But what goes on behind closed doors is very much a business, isn't it? And that, and that will come on to this, I think, when we talk about the Super League more. And it's a very delicate balance and it's almost a tightrope that owners, whether they're well-liked or not, is kind of irrelevant in, in this situation. The, effectively, what is really difficult for fans to accept is that 
chairmen or chairwomen are running a business and football effectively has now become a business. And that's a really difficult balance and it's a really thankless task. And we could sit here and we could say that Kelvin Thomas has done brilliant things. We can also sit here and be not so happy about things like recruitment and and lots of other areas. And, you know, everyone looks at the East End and gets miserable about it. But it's a really difficult balance and a real thankless task because at the end of the day, they have to create a sustainable business as well as please fans. And that's really difficult to do. So I think regardless of kind of um, what his stance on it, there is always going to be people that agree and always people that disagree. And that's okay because that's what's brilliant about football fans. But it's really difficult to put as fans ourselves in his position and look at it from a business point of view because that's not our job. And I know Neil mentions that a lot. So it's really difficult for us to comprehend it. If he feels that it's a positive for the club or could have been a positive for the club, then we kind of have to take that at face value because you you um, like to believe that owners of your football club are doing the right thing for your football club. And there's lots of things that go on behind closed doors and, and, and in terms of business side that we, we don't hear about. But it's really important to, to strike a balance and that is a really difficult thing to do. I think one of the things, so I found on, on Twitter before the weekend this was um kieran Maguire, who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks back talking about the cobblers finances he um in his book which is called the price of football he wrote a, a chapter on project big picture and gave some interesting summaries of it one of them and this was kind of the the, the sort of really big standout thing in terms of money that was being given to the efl clubs so there was a 250 million pound um, amount that was going to be given to the EFL or proposed to be given to the EFL to be shared amongst the member clubs. However, that 250 million pounds proposed was not a donation from the Premier League, but instead would be a loan that would then be repaid from future shares of broadcast revenues. And there was a lot. I mean, you go on to our, our Twitter, at Cobblers to Me, and, and you basically go down to, um, what would it be? It'd be Saturday's um, tweets. And there's a retweet there um, just before the game kicked off about Project Big Picture with the whole summary on it. But essentially, the way that it actually looked to be on paper as being, oh, great, we're going to have this kind of amount of money given to us it's not so good because you end up being you know having to give that money back and the way that you give that money back is by not receiving as much as a share of your tv revenue as it was per you know sort of is the big thing at the moment where everybody's talking about aren't they neil about how the tv deal needs to be fairer and spread more equally amongst them i mean for me personally it was a real worry seeing that information about what Project Big Picture may be actually meant and then hearing that our chairman was was fully for it. I don't know how you feel about it. I I don't even know where to start. I I despise football, which... Oh, good. I'm glad you despise football on a football podcast. Yeah, which isn't ideal. Um and what I mean by that is when I was younger, I obviously fell in love with the game of football and I played it. Granted, I was no great shakes, but I played it and I enjoyed playing it. I watched it uh, religiously 
when I was younger. Um, any bit of football I could find. Football Italia on Channel 4, do you remember that? Um, used to love watching that. Used to watch Football Focus. Used to watch Grandstand. Used to watch anywhere I could find any bit of football. Um, because at that time, for me, the game was... I mean, maybe it's because I was younger and I wasn't aware of that money was in the game then. I'm sure it was, but not, not to the extent it is now. Now, I actively try and avoid football. Um, I won't watch match of the day. Wow. If, the, if there's a game on and I've got control of the, the TV remote, which is un- unusual, let me add, then I might flick over to it, watch 10 minutes and think, nah, it's, it's boring. Uh, so the only football I actively don't avoid really is cobblers. Obviously, I, I still enjoy watching cobblers despite everything that's gone on, and I will go back and watch cobblers when we're allowed back into stadiums, and I will follow cobblers. A large part of that is because I feel a part of the club um, as a supporter. Yeah, I, I don't like anything else in football at the moment. And this project, big picture, and this—I know we're going to talk about the Super League ridiculousness stuff at, at some point where Jeffrey's going to blow a top. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's just, it, it's just not the game that I liked when I was younger anymore. It's, I, I don't know whether like the VAR stuff impacts it as well, I think. And that's about money as well. Let's not, let's not dress that up in any way, shape or form. That's about getting the right decision. So someone doesn't accidentally get relegated, which costs them millions of pounds or whatever it may be. It's about getting the right decisions at the top level. That That's that's what that's about because it links to people's money. So it's it's driven by money. And uh, I, it's, yeah, so in mean, all this project, big picture stuff, I haven't read a huge amount about it because it will just annoy me and it will just frustrate me. I listened to what Kelvin Thomas said about it. He's got his opinion. He knows a lot more ins and outs about it than, than I do. I think he said 90% he's on board with. There was 10% they couldn't get on board with, but he expects it to be revisited so what Uh, yeah I'm exasperated with football at at the minute so you probably want to go to Jeffy (laughs) okay right well on the rest of the the interview Jeffy you listened to it Mm -hmm. what what did you make of it overall Uh, I've seen a few people on on Twitter for example say things like uh, it was an hour of their life that they won't get back they learnt nothing new um, that there wasn't really much point in Kelvin appearing because he didn't really give any answers to any questions put to him. What was your take overall on it? We'll talk a little bit about a couple of the points that were made, but just in general, did you feel it was a bit of a waste of time or is it good that you got to hear from the chairman of the Cobblers? Well, I think it's important that we have some kind of and form of communication. I think that um, Kelvin is quite an elaborate man and, and chats a lot, which is absolutely fine. You know, he's, he's, he seems like a very decent bloke. Um, and from a personal point of view, I've, I've never um, personally felt that I have questioned his ability to run my football club. And therefore, until I find reasonable reason um, that I believe he's not fit to run my football club, I, I stand by the fact that I think he's a really decent human being with the best interests of the club at heart. Okay. We could sit and analyze the East stand and go over that for, for, years and we have done for years but but that is a a vicious circle that began way before years gone by and and you know it it rattles on but generally speaking uh I personally don't feel that he's done anything to to award any kind of suspicion from me so I take whatever he says like I said earlier at face value and do you know what I think 
it's really important to recognise the fact that actually he's willing to give up his time and communicate with the fans, which actually is probably a minimum that a lot of clubs don't get. If you think about a lot of clubs that are, are in dire straits, your Sheffield Wednesdays and clubs like that who have got wayward owners that are tearing clubs apart. I mean, we've been there and and at face value, it doesn't look like that's happening now. So I think it's very important to recognise, yes, of course we can criticise and of course we can question and ask questions. That's what we're here for. That's what... Cobblers fans are, are there for you're you're there to question things and you're there to whinge when it's not going well but equally I think we're in quite a privileged position to actually hear from our chairman and for him to be fairly transparent in terms of the fact that he wants to communicate okay some things he might or should be a bit more transparent about but generally speaking he's very willing to speak to fans and very willing to to actually speak and communicate with people so I think it's really difficult to be overly critical, whereas I do understand that some people are critical, which is absolutely fine. But I personally, I don't feel that I should be critical because I think he's just a bloke doing a job and, and that's his job, you know? And he's and actually, it's, it's been a real tricky year and we're still financially okay at the moment when a lot of clubs aren't. And Man, I know... Six I know, million in debt. No, no, no. But in terms of the fact that we're able to function, there's a lot of grassroots level clubs that are not able to do that, you know? Yeah, but there's also not a lot of uh, other EFL clubs that aren't able to function. Like one of the things that if you, I, I can't remember for the life of me exactly when it was that it, it was said or in, in what sort of statement it was put out on. But I'm sure I heard, I remember Kelvin Thomas saying something or being quoted as saying that clubs will go out of business because of COVID. Yeah, well, they still will. That hasn't they still will. They still will. Yeah, but that. Yeah, but, time I, I, yeah, but we're 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 more or less out of it now. In terms of, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel when the fans come back. I, I you know, I I saw somebody say somewhere that it was almost like they were pinning hopes on other clubs going out of business for us to stay up in League One. Um, so it was more of a case of we'll keep going financially, keep the club going financially through COVID. That means that therefore the budget will be reduced for the playing side, but we'll stay up because other clubs will go bust rather than because we have competed uh, on the pitch to keep our place in League One. Oh, I mean, that was that, that, that part of it is obviously um, either assumption or it's, you know, guesswork by a, a fan here or there that has said it. But you know, he definitely was saying about how that he expected that to happen fi- with the finances, and it just hasn't. So I, I get it. Grassroots, yes, completely. You're right. You know, clubs down at, you know, underneath the the, the EFL are, are definitely a lot worse off than than us. But there aren't there aren't many clubs in the EFL that right now you're looking at it and going, they're not going to be here next season because of COVID. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, um, you, you made a valid, valid point. Well made. Okay. Fair enough. That's cool. Um, he was challenged by Mark Webber, Kelvin, this was, um, on not having supporters trust representation on the board. Um, Kevin Thomas said that he inherited a load of problems, including the East Stand and the aftermath of the loan, which happened while the Supporters Trust had a seat on the board. And he also said that the position was superficial and that the club, and this goes back to what you were saying, Jeffy, 
the club communicate with the fan base as a whole much more than it ever has done before. He even mentioned, I think, that the club communicate more than they have to, according to like the EFL charter or the EFL's you know guidelines for communication with clubs. Uh, or oh, sorry, with their fans, I should say. I think I think that's a fair point, and I, I don't. I think Jeffy, you touched on this earlier. That I don't think one thing you can't really level at Kelvin Thomas, especially, is that he doesn't interact with fans, and he do, and he's not open to conversation. Because if you send him an email, he'll respond to it. He doesn't have to respond to it, and he'll respond to it with his with a you know kind words and respectful and stuff and you send him a message on facebook he'll respond to it if you ask to meet him for a coffee he'll meet you for a coffee i think that's a way above and beyond his responsibility as a football chairman i don't think you can level that he's he's like some of the argument is well he's too secretive he doesn't interact enough isn't it i I don't agree with that one i think you can level other stuff and you can have an argument about inaction and, and that sort of thing but one thing you can't argue i think jeffy's absolutely right i think is he's if you want to talk to him go and talk to him yeah, I think he's a really, really decent human being, isn't he? And, and you know, his approach towards the fans is, as you say, absolutely respectful. And I think it's really, really important that that Neil, like you said, is absolutely right that you can level some things at him. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to paint a picture that he's absolutely perfect because no chairman is, you know, and he's far from perfect. But what he is is a, a reasonable bloke that will actually interact with you and give you the time of day. And if you look at a lot of other clubs that you know have real poor relationships with 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 chairman you know if you walk past him in the west end when it is eventually full again he'll always say hello to you or you know he will take the time out to to have a chat with you and that's really really key because i think as much as we can criticize you know at least we can criticize him because he's seen some fans are criticizing a name i think that's fair and i think that's right i think there's and I think the problem is, is people want answers to stuff that they're simply not going to get an answer to. Like it's, it's one of the things which frustrates me actually. And I said this to somebody else the other day is that people moan and kick off about, you know, the Cron or BBC Northampton, not asking enough questions. And what's the point? He's not, he's not going to answer them. Right. So why not ask questions that you're going to get some form of an answer and some form of a response from? Because where's the benefit in in doing an interview with the chairman of the local football club and asking him, tell us the the plans for the East End? He's not going to do that. Uh, So for me, that's a difficult one. I would like more information on on certain things. and I I, I think it would go a long way to, to help balance some fans out a little bit if we had had some more information on this this. Belle de Jour stuff and British Virgin Islands, is it? Or something like that. The offshore stuff. I would like to know a bit more information about that because you know, it screams to me when you hear that sort of thing. And I'm not suggesting this is the case, but it screams to me when you hear that sort of thing. There's something dodgy going on or there's a way, you know, it's something to do with tax. I don't know. It's, it's above and beyond my capabilities as someone that works in insurance. It's not, I don't know anything about that sort of stuff, but when you hear about all offshore accounts and an offshore company and all that sort of stuff, there's a reason behind it. Right. Um, and I think it would be nice. And I think they could probably be a bit more open and clearer about that. That said, there may well be a valid reason why they don't want to be, or why they can't be. I don't know, but it's, uh, I just think it gets unfair criticism for 
and the club gets unfair criticism for being open and they are open they're open to conversation and stuff the problem is they ain't going to tell you everything because it's not it doesn't make commercial sense to tell you everything and we don't have a right to know everything i guess in that respect and and, and even with the best wood in the world look even with fan owned clubs they fans ain't going to know everything that's just the way it works there's always going to be people that know a hell of a lot more than the majority of the fan base do, do you not think though that with so the things that do get leveled at him and the things that are constantly being questioned that we don't get answers to so like you said you know it's the stand you know show us the plans that's that's not happened you know uh, he may well show you he may well show you in in private if you request a, a one-to-one meeting he may well me personally um, know anyone that's listening but um you know he may well do that but it's the fact that they're not going to go and put them out into the public to to be seen by many all at one time. I don't actually understand why they're not going to be in the public domain. That's one thing I don't, and there must be a reason for it. I don't, I don't quite understand. But I know we've seen them, haven't we? We when we mm-hmm. when we sat in Kevin Thomas's office office that time, he was kind enough to, to to walk us through them and stuff, and the trust have seen them. Um, I don't know, a few other people have, have seen them, which does beg the question. If, Why can't everybody else see them? Yeah, what? Like, <laughs> not, yeah. That's not that I don't appreciate seeing them and stuff, but, but yeah, like, what? what's the grand secrecy between, like, just stick them on the website. Look, everyone wants to see what the plans are for the... Is, is it that they're aware there'll be a bit of a backlash? Because let's be honest... There's no great shakes to the plans, is there? If we're honest about it, we've seen them, you know. Yeah, the stand will get finished. That's nice. Um, but there's no great mystery there or anything. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if, if when we, when if you look back and I don't know if you can remember when we saw them, we both came away probably thinking, well, it's not that exciting really, but at least it will get done. Yeah. Um, so I can't quite understand it. And the only thing I can think of is that, that that's not set in stone and, they don't want to be in a situation where Cardoso, yeah. remember when he released All and Sundry, do you remember that ridiculous porter cabin on the side of the West End? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, yeah maybe they don't want to be in that cool. situation. In which case, you could probably clear, and they may have said this before, I've probably just forgotten, maybe, but you, you could clear it up, right, and say, yeah, we've got plans. They're not set in stone. They're actually probably going to change. So it doesn't, in, until we know what's happening with the land and how much money there is and stuff, it's very difficult for us to say think, this is exactly what's going to happen. I think that is what has happened. And I think that has been said in the past. It's just so long back now that it, it's kind of forgotten about. I mean, just to go back to the whole sort of transparency thing and, and the thing of asking questions that you're not getting an answer to. The one thing that I will say is that, you know, the guys that, you know, so Mark and Jake, I thought, did a very good job. Look, Kelvin, as we all know on this podcast, likes to talk. And, you know, it, it we can get him on this podcast. To interrupt him. It can it can feel rude to try and interrupt him and sort of, you know, say, but he therefore gets accused of filibustering and, you know, just, just talking about nonsense. So that by the time the question, well, sorry, by the time he's finished talking, you've forgotten what the question was at the beginning that he didn't answer anyway in the first place. I don't, I don't think, though, that, ironically, I don't think that comes from your phrase of filibustering. I think he just likes to chat. 
And me too. Yeah, yeah I he loves agree. a chat. Right. I love not, it. It's, loves not, a it's chat. not that he is trying to avoid it. I think he is answering the question, but a bit like I am. I I I go around the houses when I'm when I'm talking to people. I, I'm not. I've I mean, Kelvin does go around the country, but yeah, yeah, I've never been one of those people that gets straight to the point and just goes straight for the, you know, whatever it is that I'm trying to say. I always add on. Look, I'm doing it now. It's a good I, job I, I you're on a I'm podcast, doing. isn't it, Charles? Isn't it? Isn't yeah. it just? But I just um, the thing the thing that I find though is that the fact is is that fans are asking these questions about when what's going on with the sound like the a legitimate question at this moment in time is why have we got to wait for a deal to be struck with whichever council or whatever yeah. the council is called these days why can't you just put you know the finishing bits and get it done you've been here for that amount of time whatever it is coming up is it five years now maybe longer um you know and nothing has happened to it yes you've put the seats back in but there's now Not still just a shell with some seats in it, essentially. So why can't you just put it back in and then get the money back at the point when the you know the land thing is all done and, and dusted? Why do you need the you know why do you need the land deal done first? I mean, there there is probably a legitimate reason for it, and it may well, well be to, that to fund it. Yeah, well, well, there is that obviously, but you know when you've got I think the thing that hasn't done him doesn't hasn't done him or the club any favors has been not this time I appreciate but a, a previous time when he was asked about this thing where he came in and said that there was four million pound ring fence for the club he almost denied that he'd ever said that. Now this is going back. This wasn't what happened on Thursday's Cobbler Show, but in a previous interview or a previous appearance somewhere. He almost denied that he'd ever said that. And yet, actually, you can go and Google it and you'll find, you know, the article from that meeting with, you know, fans at a fans forum, I think it was, where he said it. And I think it's things like that that hasn't done him any favours where, and, and, and it's fine because, you know, or you could turn around and go, well, he, he forgot that he said things. I've probably said things before that I've forgotten. I do, do you know what I mean? But the problem is, well, yeah, but the problem is when it's something so big such as this, that that then doesn't do any favours. I'm trying to know, find the article, Charles. To him and the club. I mean, look, I mean, the fact is, is that there are certain things which people seem to think that it is being hidden from us. Either, you know, cleverly hidden um, or, you know, like, like, for example, you could say some, whatever it is that the reason why the the Belle de Jour thing is there and why it's why that company's been used rather than the company in the UK that can be seen through Company's House. You know, it's a clever thing that or clever way of hiding whatever it is that might be being high. At the end of the day, there might not be anything whatsoever. And like like you said, Jeffy, I think he's a decent man, and I don't think there is anything there that's being hidden. I don't really see what there could be that's being hidden. And until somebody shows proof of that, because we live in a democracy and in a country where you're innocent until proven guilty, nobody to this day has found any kind of, you know, actual stuff to to throw at him and to say, well, this is what you've done. There's no proof of any wrongdoing whatsoever anywhere. Um, But of course, what happens is that while there are those things there, 
that show a lack of transparency, essentially, questions are going to be asked. Going back to my original question about what you said about the supporters' drop representation, last week we were talking about the, you know, um, obviously the new um, hotel end and the fans' village idea, um, which seems to be gaining some traction, which is really good to see. One of the things off the back of what happened with the European Super League thing last week was there's now talk, there's a petition, isn't there, for the government to implement the 50 plus one German style ownership thing. One of the things that has come out that I've, I listened to so much last week about the European Super League and, and fan power and all this, that and the other. And one of the big things that came out and one of the things for me that sort of stood out as being an easy way in to start off with is that it can be quite difficult to implement, I would imagine, a 50 plus one in favour of the fans owning football clubs in this country at this stage. But what would probably be almost a compromise is putting a member of a supporters group on the board. The interesting thing for me about what was said in on the Cobbler show was the fact that Calvin basically said, first of all, he threw a bit of mud. Let's be honest. He threw the mud of saying, well, when they were last, I had a seat on the board, the, the loan money all went missing and, you know, nothing was actually really done about it. That's what he did. He slung that mud to see if it will stick. Um, but he also said that the position was superficial, i.e. meaning it was just there for show. There wasn't really any sort of like, they weren't in the know any more than anybody else. So would it really be worthwhile? That That is what I think I took from what he said, was that he was kind of saying, would it really be worthwhile having a supporters trust representative on the board of a football club? Because you're essentially, you're not going to know any more than you would do without having that position anyway. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we could sit here and go along all day about it. But he did mention about the diggers, didn't he? And I just wanted to send out a public service announcement. <laughs> Jeffy, your accent came out. He mentioned about the bloody diggers, didn't he? <laughs> so I'm just sending out my public service announcement. If you do need digger supplies and digger support, then uh, Jeffy, Jeffy and her tractor, we are available. It might come to that, mate. Oh, yeah. happily. Happily. I, I, I said in the intro... I said in the intro that that Kelvin had said that diggers could be on site by Christmas. Now, in fairness, it sounded like he was more being not uh, sarcastic's the wrong word, but he was saying almost to sort of go, "Well, I could tell you that they'll be on site by Christmas, but it doesn't mean that they actually will be." Um, that's that's why, and now it, I, I kind of understand it. That's why they never commit to a date because a. A lot of it's out of their control, I imagine. And, it takes and a B, long time to get from Somerset. <laughs> My diggers. <laughs> and B, the minute they say, yeah, work will start on the 10th of December, the second it doesn't start on the 10th of December, all hell will break loose. So I kind of understand the, the whole date thing. Um, but it's a, you said it, Charles. So if diggers aren't on site by Christmas, then I expect you to stand in the centre circle at Six Fields in just your pants, singing Fields of Green. Hello, it's Danny here and I just wanted to thank you for listening to It's All Cobblers to Me and to tell you how you can help support the podcast. Every week I badger Charles to play Name That Bench every single time or to talk about Sam Hoskins' goal at Tramere for the whole hour, meaning editing is a lot more challenging than squeezing Richard Hope into an all-time Cobblers 11. That's why we set up our own Patreon page. For just five US dollars a month, that's around four quid, you'll help to keep the podcast going and get your very own thank you jingle. 
So if you enjoy what we do and want to support us, head on over to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Now, back to the pod. So Matthew Crane says the European Super League has highlighted ownership of club issues. I think this affects all levels. At the top level, it's greed. At our level, it's owners retaining interest. Berry is the obvious example where the geezer doesn't give a shit and has let the club die. It has to be said as part of all this fallout that any owner doesn't own the fans or the history of the clubs. More needs to be done by the government, EFL and others to protect a football club from a bad owner or a good owner who loses interest. Jeffy, this is your first time on the pod since that nonsense. Hmm? Yeah, I'm seething. Absolutely seething about it. Um, I was seething the minute it it all kicked off and I'm still seething about it now. Um, Right, so let's, you know, take football back to its roots. You're talking about working class people supporting football clubs through, through generations upon generations upon generations. And for... Six clubs, who, by the way, aren't very super anyway, as an adjective, um, to self-promote themselves in some greed and some money-grabbing stance that they have is is just, I think, beyond everybody's comprehension. And I think um, the fact that it's been done in the first place is nothing short of an embarrassment but the the way in which and the timing of which it was carried out last week it is just an utter disgrace. Um, I've been a football fan all my life and I'm very proud to be a football fan, but it's actually shameful to think that the teams at the very top or the, who believe there are the very top of English football have completely and utterly destroyed so much good that has been done over hundreds upon hundreds of years. And we need to be really careful in remembering that they aren't the big six of this this footballing world, the English Football League. Money and greed has just put those people at the top of, 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 of this pyramid that we work from. You're looking at teams like Notts County, like Burnley, who I know are in the Premier League, but they've got their off, off merit and hard work. Um, you're talking about people like, you know, Yeovil Town, Grimsby, Darlington. We all know what happened there. Macclesfield. All these teams that have been kicking about for, for hundreds upon hundreds of years who go through generations of blood and and already their futures have not already been, de- either have been decided or have been are about to be in jeopardy because of this absolute farce that that has come about. I mean, let's let okay. I've got a stat in front of me, and this is the price of football with Kieran again. And it says immediate promotion of Norwich and Watford from the EFL Championship will result in a saving of about eighty-three million pounds in parachute payments by the Premier League over two years. This will be shared by the clubs in the Premier League. I'm sorry. Um, so Macclesfield go out of business for the want of six hundred grand. North Ferriby go out of business for the sake of seven grand. And you're telling me that the Premier League are going to share £83 million between them. But it's just an utter shambles. And it's really, really embarrassing to think that in the middle of a global pandemic, owners believe that it's the right thing to do to do that. Because it's it's so wrong on so many levels. And, and the fact that we are 
in the midst of of so many clubs teetering teetering on the absolute edge of going out of business. You're talking about kids who've not been able to play football for nearly a year because of a global pandemic. You're talking about football fans that have given up their season tickets because they've not been able to go and watch their club, regardless of whether it's League Two or whether it's, you know, right down in the conference somewhere. They've given up their season and some donated money to their clubs just to keep them alive. Because the greedy people at the top of this Premier League who've decided that they're their top six, some of them ain't even won trophies. Our trophy cabinet's bigger than Spurs. And we're Northampton Town. It's an utter disgrace. Tell us how you really feel, Jeffy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm finished now. I'll finish my rant. Cool, but it's just I enjoyed that. so angry. I, I've got a different opinion. Oh. It better agree with me, otherwise there'll be issues here, Neil. <laughs> it wouldn't be a different Tra- opinion it if it's different. for you, Jeffy. <laughs> <laughs> Title of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> My, so I don't have, I, well, I, to say I've got a different opinion is, is false, actually. I agree with everything you said, mate. Thank but you. I have a caveat to it that I actually don't blame the owners of the football clubs. The reason why... I don't blame the owners of the football clubs is because those owners are going to be doing what they think is right for their football club to be the most successful club it can be and the richest club it can be and themselves, obviously. Um, but that's what owners do. My my gripe and my being annoyed at such is with the authorities and those in charge of football that allow it to get to this point. And it's it's like the beast is eating itself almost. And so I don't blame the owners. I don't, they're just doing what they think is best for their football club. Obviously they're all completely misguided and and didn't, (laughs) didn't read the room and they got that completely wrong. So that, that is without question. But as an owner of a football club, you're not best one in the world. You ain't responsible for Macclesfield. You ain't responsible for North Ferriby United. You ain't responsible for Northampton town. Their owners are. So I get it from a purely looking at it from an owner point of view. I don't like the idea of a Super League. I think it flies in the face of everything that is great or was great about football. The problem for me is it is the whole system and the whole football pyramid and how it's all set up. It needs a complete overhaul. And I think it's been building and building over time as the rich get richer and it becomes more and more about money and nothing else really matters. It's going to get to that point where something's going to explode and something's going to be the tipping point. Hopefully this is the tipping point for a complete rethink in how football works. And I mean, look, you know, we couldn't even get a bloody salary cap through, could we? No. And I I think as well, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I've, I kind of went mental about um, owners there, but you're absolutely right. People like Sky, you know, yeah. an, an absolute disgrace, an absolute disgrace. The amount of money that is being fed to arguably a select few each week. Why, why is that Sky's fault? Because they're, they're like Neil said, it, it's creating this beast, isn't it? It's creating... Yeah, but why is that Sky... Why? Hang on, right. So, I... I, I... Well, Sky created the Prem, right? Well, well this is why... Football yeah, didn't yeah, exist so, before the Prem. So, however... <laughs> uh, I mean... So, I mean, that's where I would bring it back to is that I would turn around and say, right, back in 1992, the breakaway, the original breakaway league. Oh, Jeff. You already know uh, the then. <laughs> exactly. But, 
so the original breakaway happened, which is what then allowed those clubs. So when we're talking about the clubs that are in, in that division and, and especially the clubs that have been in that division ever since. So you're talking about your United, uh, your Man United, you're talking about Everton, Arsenal, um, you know, those clubs have been able to be part of a, a system, if you like, or another business, which the Premier League is a business um, that has then been able to actually then go out and promote itself in such a way that has then, you know, demanded that kind of money. I know, you know, at the end of the day, Sky, you know, pay an awful lot of money. So do BT and, and all the other, you know, broadcasters uh, across the world. Eurosport. Yeah. Yeah, to get the coverage. Eurosport, don't. Um, but that's not... The only thing that you can go and say is that, well, you're prepared to pay it. But they're only really prepared to pay it because they they know that the product is worth that amount of money. Now, the one argument I would have is that if the Premier League had never come into existence, then, okay, maybe this amount of money would never have come into the game. However... I think there still would have been money that came into the game and it would still have happened, but they'd be in a better position as the EFL because it would have been the EFL doing these deals to get TV rights, which then would have actually then enabled perhaps clubs like ourselves and, you know, the rest of those sort of League One, League Two clubs to then get a better, more equal slice of the pie. I just don't think that, I don't think you can blame the broadcasters for the way it happened. I think you you turn around and you look at the fact that the top clubs, as it were, back in 92, all decided that they were going to break away because they would, as Neil said, they were looking out for themselves. They went and said they could make more money by being a collective 20. I, I think it was, was it only 18 at the start? Was it 18, 18, I think, yeah. I think yeah. Oldham were in there. Yeah, Swindon were in yeah. there as well. Yeah, you, know, look at them. These, you know, these clubs, they, they they thought to themselves, right, we can go and promote ourselves. We can get more money through a TV deal. We can get um, more money through different, different methods by going alone. The one difference being that they kept it open. It, was, it wasn't a closed shop. There was still promotion and relegation, which is, you know, the big factor that was, was just killing football from this European Super League perspective. Um, but I, I don't think you can blame, as Neil says, I don't think you can really blame the owners as such for, you know, looking out for what they think were the best interests of their business. I can I blame them the for issue being is, greedy, though. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you can point that to anybody. You and can I can point blame Sky for being greedy own... as well. I, I, but I how greedy are Sky actually being? Well, well, okay. So flip, flip it. Okay, I understand. Yeah, it's a valid, a really valid point, and and a really good counter argument to what I've said. But Sky have got this incredible platform, and yes, I, I'm aware about the fact that what I'm about to say, the argument, the counter argument to my argument here is that okay, you're not going to get the reach. But the problem they've had for, for so long now is that it's always the same thing over and over again. And you start to, for a long time it works, right? And for a long time it's viewable and it's brilliant. But you get to a point when you get a bit of a revolt. And there's a significant portion of specifically the younger generation who are completely revolting against it because it's boring and, it, and you're sucked into this, this, just, this vortex of utter tripe. 
right? It's rubbish. Am I allowed to say that word? Is that a right word? What, tripe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. So this, uh, this is just a shambles, right? It's the same six, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 teams every weekend. It's nil-nils. It's rubbish. VAR tells someone off for breaking a fingernail. I want to see a pitch invasion with a wheelchair when we score, you know, in, in the very last minutes against Rotherham years ago. I want to see, like, you know, Coventry losing their absolute mustards and having a full-on meltdown and throwing fireworks onto the pitch and we're all having to run around and appeal for calm. I just want to see actual football at its purest, at its best. Like when Kelvin Lammead, like, you know, scored with his hand and own goal and the ridiculousness that in years to come you can laugh about. It is so pure and it's so joyful and we're just being sucked in by this awful football that's nil-nil by some kind of superstar that's earning 150 grand a week when there's kids that haven't got food on the table and you know it there's a bigger picture like if you go and watch the cobblers you know the kids go and get their face painted they have a kick about with a giant dragon and have a great time and then go and win a pizza at half time that is football that we should embrace and we should love we should not be talking about it offside by var and a nil nil draw it's mind numbing yeah I, I, I right i get that completely but all of that stuff that you've talked about still happens in the Premier League. It's just that it's better players. Like, I, I agree with you. Like I, I look at it and go, the amount of money that, that footballers earn is just mind-blowing and it is ridiculous, And especially when you then go and compare it to the likes of Sam Hoskins and, and what he'll be earning um, in comparison to that. It's, it's a different world. I, I get it. However, at the same time, they're getting paid what what somebody wants to pay them. That's not their fault. Again, I go back to it being, it's not their fault. It's it's the same when people turn around and go and have a go at people like the BBC paying so much to Gary Lineker. It shouldn't be right, though. It shouldn't be. And this is the moral compass, isn't it? Like, we can yeah, but, sit, sit all day. We're, not, and- we're never going to, right, we're never going to go back to a world where those people don't get paid that kind of money. It's It's never going to happen. And that's, that, that you know, Charles, because that, that's... you've already come, you, you've already come so far that you're never going to be able to take it back and turn around to, to not just somebody like Gary Lineker, but you're never going to be able to turn around and say to them, right, well, you, we're not paying that much money anymore because all that's going to happen is that they turn around and go, oh, okay, right, well, fine. Well, when somebody else comes along and says, we'll pay you it. Yeah, I, I totally get that, and and do you know what? That's 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 fine, and that's that's absolutely inevitable. We're never going to go away from that. But I think what's really important as football fans and as a football community that we fight tooth and nail for is that that is not at the expense of our sport in this country, because at the moment it is. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you there completely and utterly. I, you so know, give the one Gary Lineker. Millions. I couldn't care less what Gary Lineker sits on. Couldn't care less, right? But not having, I'm not going to name individual Premier League players, but not having Premier League players on millions and millions of pounds when you can't get kids into grassroots in places like Somerset. So, for example, my sister, really talented footballer, was from the age of, of eight but was not allowed to play in her local team, had to travel 20 miles because there's not enough grassroots facilities. That is the problem. 
So if you're going to pay, you'll never stop it. No, you're not going to. But but this is the time when we have to fight for it because you cannot allow that to happen and allow people to earn millions. There's too much disparity. So while we've got a voice, we have to use it. We have it's, to it's, use it to effect. It's it's like the. They have a salary, and I'm going to harp on about NFL again. Sorry, but there's a they have a salary cap in the NFL, right? And this year it's I think it's 185 million per team um, for this coming this coming season. And the way teams get around that is right. We're going to pay you, uh, I don't know, whatever 30 million salary, uh, of which 10 million's guaranteed. We'll give you a 10 million signing on bonus. Therefore, that helps bring it under the cap. That, that always, there's always ways around salary caps, and, and there's always way that, that there's always clubs are all, and, and this is the same in football. Clubs will always, always find a way if they've got the money to, to pay that player and, and to ensure that he joins their club or whatever it may be. Might be, I'll tell you what, we'll buy your house. Yeah. Might it, like, it might be you can, you can own all your own image rights at the top level. I don't know how that works, but I don't, I suspect that's not a problem at our level, but hmm. the, the, there's always <laughs> image all, rights at that <laughs> level. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's always ways around it. That's the problem. And, and that will have always happened. But uh, I think you're right, Jeffy. I think that the, what feels to me and what sort of made, I, know I spoke about this earlier, but what made me sort of stop loving the game of football is a lot of the, the stuff you're talking about and money filtering down and stuff, most of the time it feels like a token effort. And most of the time it feels like, well, we've got to make sure we seem to do something here. So it, it, it's, but then what you're talking about, Jeffy, about the grassroots and having to tra- travel 20 miles and stuff, that's a whole other, that's probably a podcast on its own, not just limited to football, but just limited to sporting facilities in this country. It is shambolic. If, if you, if you visit numerous other countries, in Europe, in America, you, you don't have to travel far to find fantastic facilities, be that a football pitch, an athletics track, a tennis court, whatever it may be. If, if I want to go and play tennis, I have to find the nearest tennis court. I have to find out which tennis club it belongs to. I have to see if I'm allowed to play. If I'm not allowed to play, then You have fine, to pay 100 quid a membership for a year. I have to become a member or Absolutely. I'll have to go and... Yeah. play on the courts at Beckett's Park, which, let's be honest, I may as well just play in my back garden. Um, if I want to go if I want to go and run around a running track, I wouldn't know where to go. There used to be one behind Sixfields, obviously, but is there still one in Ketra Leisure Village? I think there might be. Um, it, it, it's, a whole, it's one of those things, and I know this is irrelevant to a, a cobbler's podcast, but one of the things which really, really frustrates me and something I've noticed and frustrates me even more since I've had children is the lack of facilities and sporting facilities for for the younger generation it's it's no wonder it's no wonder they're all on screens a lot of the time it it's no wonder they're all playing xboxes and playstations and game boys and ataris or whatever it may be it it, it genuinely is no it's no surprise where are you going to go what are you going to where are they going to go with their mates and go and have a kick around and stuff i remember when i used to live in kettering when i was younger and i could nip across the road onto the astroturf and play hours and hours on the AstroTurf with my mates for free. I mean, I'm not sure whether we were supposed to, but you could do it. Um, nowadays, we, there's nowhere for children to go. There's nothing. There's, it's it's, honest, it's, honest it's all been profitized, hasn't it? Monetized. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely has. It absolutely has. I would love, I would absolutely love it if 
Northampton Council or Borough Council, whichever the council is, county council, whichever is responsible for it, was to take a stand and and. And I know it never happened because we've probably got one of the most backwards thinking councils in the land. But to to create, you know, like hubs for junior teams and hubs for for sporting teams and and hubs for just for the youth in general. There's, there's nothing around for them. Like even you go up the local park and stuff. Half the time the goals are rusty and broken or whatever. And and it's just one of those things. I've gone on a tangent. I'm sorry, but it's just one of those things which really really grates on me at the moment. But it, it links is, to what you're saying, Jeffy, about yeah. the gra- the grassroots. Yeah. Thing. The thing is as well, it's 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 quite interesting that that you felt that you needed to apologize. Why on earth are football fans apologizing for ranting about this? This is the absolute minimum we should be doing. Like we should not be like felt that we need to apologize for having a rant about the absolute shambles that has gone in the last two weeks. You know, I I I could happily go on for about four hours about this. You know, we've we've we hit the top of an iceberg here. That is just going to keep filtering down, and the and you know we should not be apologising for for taking a stand against this this utter nonsense that's gone on, and the the fact actually that you know okay we're a very small you know league league one league two club you know league one at the best time really we're probably never really in 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 the too distant future going to go any further than that, but we have a platform and we have a fan base. It's not a very big fan base, but it's a fan base. And if our voices are heard, they need to be. This is this is when fans matter and this is when football clubs matter. And regardless of all our arguments about an East Stand and all our arguments about why we're going to get relegated and who our manage, manager should be, we're football fans and we want the best for our club and the best for, let's face it, as much as we hate to see it, other clubs within our league and if that means having a voice and standing up to what has gone on in terms of this super league and the greed that has is has filtered out and has come about in the last few weeks we should not be apologizing for that we should be absolutely embracing that and getting on board with the fact that we have a voice and we have a platform and we should be showing frankly how disappointed we are in those teams in fact, relegate them all, take all the money out, away from them, relegate them into League Two. Let's have a fun night out in Liverpool on one Tuesday night. Right. They'll have fun going to Grimsby on a Tuesday night when it's wet and cold, wouldn't they? A fun night out in Liverpool? Oh, you leave it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want two things. So first of all is, um, just to point this out, so I very quickly Googled um, Premier League and grassroots funding. And the first thing that came up was that there was a fund set up for helping grassroots over the last year. Um, it was investment given from the Premier League, the FA and DCMS, which is the government essentially. Um, talking about enhancing over 10,000 football pitches across the country, thanks to a £7 million scheme. £7 million? Are you joking? That's not just, even going to scratch the surface. This is the issue, isn't it? That wasn't well, just, you, I'm, by the way, Charles. That was outrageous. The number. Yeah. Sorry, Charles. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, Charles. I'm just saying that, that people. This, this is the thing, though, is that people will say and will argue that they are giving money to these Seven things. Now, I, pounds I agree. Is not Fine. enough. Well, I tell you what, that is bullshit. And the reason why that's bullshit, Jeffrey's right, £7 million isn't enough. Boris Johnson, I don't want to go all political on your asses, but I'm going to go all political on your asses just for a moment. Boris Johnson spent 
£2.4 million or whatever it was on some ridiculous conference facility when he was going to hold White House-style presentations every day. Never happened. £2.4 million quid down the drain. Look, I, di- I didn't say it was enough. I'm just pointing out. I felt like you did. It's there. But the thing is, Charles, this is Jeffy felt thing. like it was your decision. That I know, it, was I know it was dreadful. I actually want to go back to something else that you said. So before you do that, though, that, you know, before you do that, have a voice. Before well, you look, do we're that. an hour and fifteen minutes Hang into on, the pod, so no. This is valid. no, 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 no. I've got to edit this. <laughs> it's Seven a million Monday fucking goals. night. Seven million. It's ridiculous. And like Neil said, it's a token. Ah. It's a token. It's a token. Yeah, of course it is. They can't be bothered. Let him get his point out. He's going to go all Kim Jong-un on us us in a minute. Let him get his point out. Come on. This this is to move it on because we're so far in and I want to go to bed. We have gone down a rabbit hole. (laughs) We have. You you said that we need to have a voice. So what's the answer? Are you saying that everybody needs to join the supporters trust? Not necessarily. Yes. So how do we have that voice? Using, Using fan power. I mean... There has not been anything more powerful in the last week than the fans. Effectively, we had a Super League that was, what, scrapped up, ripped up and put in the bin within hours because it was quite obvious that fans had the power. Now, I'm not condoning going out during a global pandemic and and, um, protesting. I'm not condoning that. That's not the right thing to do during a global pandemic. But using our power as fans to make our voices heard. When we get back in those stadiums, make our voices heard. Why on earth? would we stay quiet about this? And because we didn't stay quiet, this has not worked. We could have quite easily stayed quiet as a fan base. And I'm not just saying as yeah, a but- fan base of, of um, like Northampton Town, as, as a whole football community. Those, those protests were organised by supporters groups. Absolutely fine. So, yeah, fine. So if is you- that what we need to do? Is, is what we're saying that right now, actually, everybody that's listening, if you're not already, then go and sign up to the Northampton Town Supporters Trust. Yes, I would say that, yes, by the way. Absolutely, because the Supporters Trust is the best place to be if you are a fan of a specific club. But if you're not a fan of a specific club and you're just a football fan who just likes perhaps to watch a match of the day in the evening and you just appreciate football as a sport, then your platform can be heard on things like social media or just involving yourself in some kind of peaceful protest when it's safe and appropriate. There's lots of other ways, but Supporters Trust is absolutely a great way to do it. Let's leave it there and end the pod. Thank you very much, Jeffy and uh, Neil, for joining us. Danny will hopefully be back with me on Friday for the preview show. Hit the subscribe or the follow button in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Friday morning. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. There's the cup. There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The Cobblers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. 
By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.